0: Okay, so she earlier asked, uh, could a person with an annual income of
1: 350 3.5 million yen, start on residential investment? Otherwise, what other areas can we work on to
2: get there? That'll be an email question. <laughs> um, sorry, can you give me those numbers all the time? Yeah, she, the specific number that she
1: used was 350 man annual income, so about 3.5 million yen
2: annual income okay so with about three and a half million yen annual income yeah. wait so she wants an investment property or a so the, yeah could, could she yeah. You know get sort of a
1: residential investment or get her own house perhaps yeah
2: so so you can so similarly um as i discussed earlier you can borrow about seven times your annual income so that's you know on that kind of salary maybe you can get like say 20 million, so $20 million yen. Okay, so you can get a small apartment either, see for yourself as a home loan, as a Jutaku loan, you, it generally needs to be a minimum size. I think for an apartment at least um, like 30 or 40 square meters is the the minimum, okay? And that's for you to live in as a Jutaku loan for home loan conditions. You can also probably borrow about 20 million yen um, for an investment loan, but you need to put about 20% deposit. The bank won't give you 100%. Uh, I suspect maybe someone, like that's their um, budget, met, or that's their income. They may not have a year's worth of income just as extra cash to, to put down as a deposit, about 4 million yen or so. So what might be a good start is an investment property that's you know a few million yen, maybe like 7 million yen, or so, or 5 million yen. Um, and. I don't know if the banks... um, I know in Tokyo, if you want a place, let's say, 7 million yen out near Tamagawa in um, Kanagawa, just across the river, you can probably get financing for that as an investment loan. Um, But you will need to put sort of 20% down. I think the easiest option a lot of times is just to buy your own personal property, your personal home. However, uh, yeah, probably for that budget, the home that she wants for herself is not that may not be really suitable for, for what she wants. So she needs to assess how much she's really willing to spend. So there are options there, um, easy to get in, but at the same time, you know, it depends on the individual circumstance. Um, if they want to buy their own personal home, especially if they're single right now, if they're going to consider a family soon, or maybe, you know, if they're maybe 30, and think, look, in the next two to five years, I might get married and have a family. This property that you're going to buy now May not be, may hinder your situation in about five years' time. So, when you want to buy your own family home, so the property that you need to be a bit strategic. Okay, there's, and there's a lot more context that you need to understand about the individual, their family situation, marriage situation, how old they are, at this stage in life, to give sort of a good answer. So, in short, yes, it is possible to purchase a property, but you will need some cash. Um, and it will need to be, I guess, more in Tokyo or within sort of Greater Tokyo, where banks will be able to give you just a, a typical um, uh, investment loan for it. Investment loans tend to be, you know, 20 to 30 percent down payments, and uh, interest rates around two to three percent. Okay, for a, and probably a rental property under 10 million yen, like just a, you know, 15 or 20 square meter um, uh, mansion, one one room apartment. Um, around the outskirts of tokyo i think is is realistic and you can get expect to say five percent gross rental yield which will you know, as you mentioned earlier maybe it'll be more like three percent um uh, net pre
3: tax yield okay thanks um something again so we're not clear the way she maybe phrased it but if she is looking at investment properties and um, she doesn't necessarily have to look at a loan, so if she's got enough savings to put a down payment on a loan, the four or five million that you mentioned, or four or five million will buy her a small cash flow positive investment property, not in Tokyo, obviously, but in other cities, so if loans are challenging, she can still put that money to work and actually buy an investment property for that amount. Yeah, Outside of Tokyo. Outside of Tokyo, absolutely, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, thanks. And one other question at the moment, someone asked, During Matt's presentation, uh, if if one is American, I I wonder how they uh, handle the taxes of owning a foreign business. Is it a headache to deal with? I imagine it is. This question, we're not exactly sure what it's referring to, but if we could use it to talk about the fun topic of taxes, I guess. It depends on what's tax residency, but someone asked this during Matt's Um, presentation. So
3: we've discussed this. One of the questions about the taxation in Japan and the uh, the tax treaty between Japan and the USA, but
0: maybe from an American perspective, it sucks. It sucks. Don't you? It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Um, that's not really my forte, but yeah, as an American citizen, you know, if you've got your own stuff, you double basically double tax rate. Right? Um, so you need to be aware of that. There's, I mean, talk to an accountant. Really, is what you need. Um, they know the stuff. I can only. To remember what it is that they've told me that I should do, <laughs> um, so really that's, that's an accounting question, <laughs> right? Fair
1: enough. Um, oh, another question came in from Miss Oakley. Uh, could a single person get a loan for a house, or do they expect you to have a family? And if I just start a new job that pays well, uh, since they do get salary, do I need to wait two years? to have that online reference like for the bank or real estate companies. So,
2: sure, sure. Yeah, so that's, that's a good question, a very common question. So firstly, no, you don't need to be um, married for, for that. So you can get it as a, as a single person or as an individual. Um, however, for the home loan, even okay, if you've changed companies, pretty much the minimum term that the bank will require is um, the probation period that is stated in the contract. The standard is three months, some companies do six months. So let's say you've been working at a company for 12 years and then you've just changed to a new employer and you want to get a, a, a mortgage, um, you want to buy a house. Probably the, the minimum you need is three months wait, otherwise six months wait. And the impl- the bank will want to see the uh, uh, employment contract and see how long the probation period is, if it's not stated in the contract, it will be three months. Otherwise, um, it's three months or six months tend to be the, the common probation periods. And you can apply for a loan after that. Depending on the bank, some will say, look, we can give you the loan, but your the way they calculate your borrowing capacity may be slightly reduced. They have a little bit less confidence. Or the way they value the loan. Well, because you just change jobs. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you just change jobs. So the single aspect is irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, rather it's more just because of the change of job, you now lose stability. Um another important thing is if you just started a new job and it's only been three months or six months, that's yeah, you need to be there like, you know, one to two years. But if you've been currently employed and then you just change jobs, then they'll consider that and that's when you only need to wait for the the
0: probationary period.
2: Okay. What about for a job like more a sales
1: agent type of job where you might have you don't have a fixed salary, but uh, the salary goes up and down quite a bit. For...
2: Yeah. So even that, look historically, okay, like the past two years, what what your salary kind of been? And the often even for for the like for sales jobs, only the contractor will say, okay, this is your base and your on target kind of earnings. So often, you know, I get a lot of people in. in the sales business level. okay, maybe their income is about, say, 12 to 15 million yen, and the sales on target earning might be another four to five million, right? That's kind of what we're looking at. It's not, hey, I'm on zero, and maybe if I make, it's not 100% commission, right? Uh, if it is, the banks are gonna be a little bit more, more hesitant on it. It is more complex, mm-hmm. they will wanna, and especially if you've only been there for three to six months, they'll ask, what's your monthly salary? and you want to see some pay slips. Um, and in that case, if you are, you know, you haven't received your bonus yet, you haven't received your bonus, then you probably need to wait one or two years, so you have established, you know, two years of regular, um, of, of clear annual income, and then look at your tax report and slip in that regard. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so that kind of employment adds a level of complexity to, hey, I've just changed jobs. You know, if you're just a, a salary for you, hey, you're earning seven million a in year, Sure, we'll work for the probation period to be over, you know, be it three months or six months, that's okay. When it's more, um, a more, you know, non-standard form of payment, it becomes a bit tricky. Mm-hmm. And the bank has less confidence that you're gonna maintain that. They wanna see two years or so. Okay. Any questions? Just stepping
4: back to our business owners. So, say you own your own business, and so you're talking about, um, the loan is based on the salary and not like what your business
3: earns. What is like the minimum salary that a bank would look at? Say, okay, that's great Three million.
2: Yeah. Three million. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry. sorry. So that three yeah. and a half million question was right above that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So three million. Yeah. Long, yeah. I remember I had, um, <coughs> <laughs> I had. Yeah. There was one one client with uh, his wife, <laughs> and that previous year, her gains in Yorkshire Tax these things was like. um Two like two point nine nine million. It was like <laughs> yen off, and then, yeah, sorry, we cannot count <laughs> In long, it, It's really just that. It's, it's a pretty <laughs> straight, <laughs> yeah. Check out this.
4: <laughs>
2: Uh No, like I mean, look, there's a lot of different conditions and personal circumstances. So no, that's not not really the case at all. Um, but yeah, like I said, if you have a you know, very specific question to you, like, yeah, send me an email we can get on, I'll get on a Zoom and I can ask you sort of all the, you know, get a proper picture of your situation and give you the specific feedback. Otherwise, yeah, yeah there's, there's endless, you know, scenarios yeah, yeah to talk about. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: to stay on the long subject, <laughs> um, is, is negotiating the rates as a thing in Japan, can the agent or broker help negotiate the rates down uh, with the banks? Um, And yeah, yeah, follow-up question still on the loans um, uh, about the variable rates. Like, is is there protection, uh, a period of time of protection rates going up? Yeah, Okay.
2: very good question. So um, I, I get that a bit because I know for my home loans in Australia, January, every January, I call the bank, I make a habit, call the bank and try to get, hey, listen, I think the rates are a bit high, other banks are a bit more competitive. I'm considering moving. Can I, like, rather move though, I've been with you for a few years, can I get a bit of a discount? No. And they'll do that. In Japan, um, how much, like, 0.5%, like, you know, how much more negotiation room is there? It's kind of, that uh, there kind of is not, so no, you can't really negotiate it. It's already very, very low. The banks don't make a lot of money. Um, so yeah, no, there's no, no real negotiation room on interest. Um, unless, you know, if you're with like a bank, like for example, Suburba, and you're paying like 4% already, you know, and it wasn't a standard due capital, then yeah, you can go back every year and maybe negotiate something. But for the most part, for the banks, you cannot. You can, however, refinance. So let's say you, locked in a rate a, 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 a little bit high, and things have changed. Maybe at the very beginning you were possibly a little bit desperate and you went to, you know, accepted something 1.2%. Now you can put in residency, you know, more stable employment, a regular SMBC bank can give you a loan for 0.5%. You can just do refinance with a different bank, and they will pay off your existing mortgage. Um, you can't get more money out, but they will pay off your existing mortgage and you now take up a, uh, a, the remaining of the loan goes with the new bank. So yes, that that's an option. Um, and in terms of the protection, I think what you're referring to is, well look, interest rates are here now going higher sort of around the world. Let's say I'm at 0.7%. What if it goes up to 2.3%, 2.4%? Are there any safeguards in place? Um, yes, there are. So one, I personally, I don't think that will really happen in Japan. Um, it's historically low. and that kind of rate type will destroy the system. All right? Japan isn't doesn't have that flexibility. We're used to it in, in the West, right? But they don't really do that here in, in, in Japan. But the safeguards that you have in place anyway is if it does go up such that uh, every five years your um, repayment cannot increase by more than twenty five percent. So if your monthly payment is say, you know, 200,000 yen a month, and like right now, and let's say interest rates go up such that your payment should actually go up to 300,000 yen a month. What they'll say is, look, we're gonna leave it at 200, like the most thing up is 25%, 250,000 yen per month for five years. In that portion, of course, the interest rate is higher. A big, bigger portion of that repayment is interest and principal is small, okay? Um, so at the end of the period of the 35-year loan, you probably have not paid off the full amount of loan, right? Or you may want to do some bonus payments, there may be some residual at the end, but you're not going to get stunned all of a sudden, we're expecting 200,000, and now you have to pay 300,000 yen a month. It's going to be um, protected at 125% increase, so from 200,000 to 250,000 yen a month for five years, and then it will go up again, another 25%, only if that's what's required by the outstanding balance. So yes, there are sort of protections in place to protect your your cash repayment.
3: Just a question
2: around um, structure, so ownership structure, there's been a lot of conversation about as an individual buying your own personal home, but for those interested in investment, are you seeing, People holding in their
3: personal as an individual, or are they going and setting up a company? So again, like Neil was saying about the other question about loans, it's very much a personal, individual scenario. So each and every case could be different. But if we're looking for a general rule of thumb, setting up a company is not a big deal. That's two or three thousand dollars, or you can set up a foreign. Branch of a, fo- uh, sorry, a Japanese branch of a foreign company, which might be even cheaper. Annual costs, though, are going to be a minimum of, if, you're based, if your company is based in Tokyo, a minimum of uh, about 100,000 yen a year in minimum corporate tax, even if you haven't made any income. And also, your accounting and bookkeeping becomes more complicated, so you need to pay an accountant more. So if our individual customers, for example, pay, say, 100, 150 bucks per property to an accountant just to get that... Tax filed with a company, the minimum that you're going to pay in accounting is going to be one hundred fifty thousand yen a year. Usually, more like two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand a year. Bookkeeping obviously takes more. You might need to outsource some of the bookkeeping because it becomes there's consumption tax. There might be other things. So, it first off, you need your income to justify those annual expenses. Because if you know if you got two or three one bedroom studios that are making you know two hundred bucks a month. Your total annual income is maybe $10,000, paying two, 000, three thousand bucks a year in annual upkeep is ridiculous, right? So the first thing you need to make sure is that your income reaches a level where it makes sense to have a corporate structure. You need to look at whether your tax uh, threshold, uh, your tax level as an individual is starting to creep towards the cap corporate tax. That's when it starts making sense. The only other thing to look at is, there's more, and obviously I'm not an accountant, so this is all based on very, Superficial knowledge, but conversation that we had with accountants in conjunction with our customers. There's more that you can claim as a corporate entity in terms of expenses. Perhaps um, a family member is helping you with bookkeeping that can become a salary, stuff. There's more that you'll be able to claim. The general general rule of thumb that we've seen is if your asset value is not beyond about half a million US which means that conservatively, if you look at a conservative a, a conservative investment in Japan would usually generate somewhere between 4 to 5% net before tax, um, beyond that level, it starts to make sense to look at a corporate structure just by virtue of the income and deductibles that you'll be able to claim. But under that, I would say no, unless, and this is where um, cross-border accounting comes in, unless there's any interest in maybe offsetting Income and loss in another country against each other and claiming that you know, there's funds being transferred between the two companies or a company in a branch office Then maybe you have other business interests that make it a viable option Straight out property investment ownership for somebody who's living and making a salary in Japan I'd say half a million US and over in asset value probably the benchmark Hi, oh, um, I've got a question about uh, Akia. Um, I, well, I saw it on YouTube, um, some guy, they, uh, when they tried to um, acquire um, Akia they, they had to deal with uh, the, uh, the taxes. Um, so like the previous owner had to settle uh, all their taxes, like the inheritance taxes, uh, before they can acquire the Akiya. Um Normally, um, does the buyer actually settle that or does it require the seller to settle that first?
0: Uh, I just, uh, never, I'm not sure. Uh, either can happen. Usually it's the buyer. Uh, that being said, we generally just avoid that situation because it's undesirable. <laughs> <laughs> so the simple solution to that problem is don't do it.
3: It's more outstanding property taxes, I think, usually, right? More Proper inheritance taxes. Oh, was that about inheritance? Well, about inheritance taxes. We're just general taxes. Yeah, usually it's property that can
0: play into that, but it usually it's just the property that they're... Uh, they're uh... There's enough to choose from. Yeah. There's enough to choose from,
1: you don't have to. Yeah, you just
2: pick the next one. That, head, head Yeah, <laughs> Alex, maybe you can certainly back to this side. Oh, sorry. Let me <laughs> just do Daniels and then like, yeah. <laughs> <they can> we'll... <write laughs> so oh. Yeah, sorry. This is a, a short-term rental one, but I think not going to be... Good. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, when I looked at it in the past, and tried to cost things up, um, I would look at the cleaning, outsourcing that to a local agency. I see there's quite a few us that do that now. So I was really surprised at the high cost relative to the nightly income. Is that something that you pass off to the guests or you it cover it yourself?
4: Traditionally, in the past, yes. Um, there, There's gonna be some changes afoot at the moment. Um, I think, especially in the US, there's been a, a a um a, a bill passed that was which is like the junk fees because it was you know getting to a ridiculous level that there would be a management fee and a cleaning fee and a linen fee and a resort fee and a taxes and that was just all really you know uh, um, you know racking up the, the fees and so there was a big backlash um on the, in the media and so um and so what airbnb have done is basically uh, tweak their algorithm so that if you have a ton of fees on your um, on your listing, then you don't you don't you don't get shown to as many people. So there's a lot of like I said before, revenue management and you know, pricing policy is is not a passive thing. It's not just set and forget. There's a lot of tweaking you can do. So if you build in the price of the cleaning into the nightly rate, um, and you will be you will you know go up in the search results on the OTAs. Um, but that said, what I tend to do is I have a, I do have a set fee, and I do that as a pass through on my, um, on my books. So uh, you know, I, I, that's not a profit center for me. So I just pass that straight through to my team. I don't outsource my cleaning. Um, I hire my own staff, and that way I have a lot more control over, um, over the quality and the, and uh, the availability. That's cheaper than, than outsourcing to a company. Yeah.
5: Um, i'm looking at moving to japan permanently and establishing residency in some inaka area and i'm wondering if it's better to establish a visa before making a home purchase or if it's
0: okay to purchase a home first
3: yeah um, i don't think akia maybe doesn't come into it from a visa perspective there's no limitations on foreign ownership of property in japan the advantages are Obviously, if you're here, speak the language, can go attend meetings in person, sign documents in person, then you don't need someone like us. Right? You might need us as consultants along the way, but you don't need us to do everything on your behalf. But that's that's just the only logistics practical. Visa-wise, there's no limitation, there's no tax difference. You're actually exempt from local municipal taxes if you don't live here, so. Okay. And then one other question
0: is, I
5: know that there was, um, I saw, like, there were government incentives for Inaka.
0: Areas? Um, can you speak about any of those? These are easy questions. They're and large, a huge pain, um, and they also don't pay out very well, and they're also very slow. Um, so while they exist, and they change from there's how many municipalities in Japan? 1,500, like 1700, mm-hmm. something like that. They're they're idiosyncratic across the board. Um, so there's no kind of boilerplate. Um, so number one, you need to determine where you want to go and see what incentives that they do have and then you need to see what kind of red tape that we need to go through. By that point, you're probably already three months or so into the process and you haven't gotten anywhere. So usually, again, I mean, there's, it's it's unfortunate that, you know, incentives sound nice, but the fact is, even just peel, you know, go back one layer of that onion and you'll soon realize that maybe, I, I wouldn't call them rotten, but they certainly aren't well <laughs> thought out. Um, and, really most of the time are just kind of you know their incentives to pull your hair out and not to like actually do anything productive um and we're i'm, I'm very outspoken about this stuff too um uh, so yeah it's like it's a problem i mean you know you've seen especially i was really happy if i can run with your question for a little minute or a little bit like at the beginning of this year there were there, were, there was like four or five at least different articles across different um uh, publications that were coming out railing against the government for its million yen per trial policy, which I agree with. I think a lot of those articles were they were kind of black and white, so there was more nuance that I would have wanted for it. But the fact is, like these initiatives, they sound nice, but at the end of the day, they're kind of false hope, is what they are. And they tell people that, oh my gosh, you know, if you do this thing, then we'll help you up. But, yeah, okay. Technically speaking, you're helping me out, but I mean it's kind of like 0.05 for you know that number of help that you're getting, which really, again the juice is not really worth the squeeze on that. If you've got the cash or you already have the support systems or somehow you're able to go about it in an independent manner, generally speaking, that's more efficient. It's faster. It can be cheaper. Um, I. I mean, of course, there are always exceptions to the rule, but everything that I've seen suggests that all these government incentives don't actually accomplish really anything. So you're
3: saying, pick your property,
0: or pick your area, and pick your property, and then see if there's anything you like. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Don't don't count on it. Yeah. Don't make a decision based on or anything. i seen once There there was there was one place in um, it was in Shizuoka. Omaigasaki uh that had you know one of the free akia that you had to pledge you know i'm gonna live there for five years and i mean there were various copies that were associated with it but i did run through like I, I physically went to the property itself definitely a fixer-upper but not in that terrible condition as a proper location certainly wasn't I, I mean there was a nice view of mount fuji but you know like definitely not near any local access points um I don't know if that's a good example, but it's part what of it. Oh, it was one of the free houses? Like, it was an actual free house. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was actually two separate houses. One was kind of a large, uh, like, uh, cobalt, um, what, like, craft space sort of thing, and then there was another one was an actual house. Um, so they were kind of billing it as, you know, you can start a business and a family here, which, again, technically is kind of true, but so far it's like, oh, boy, that's, that's Where I want to do that, um, I don't know anybody who would have said, <laughs> said that. So, yeah, don't count on it, it is possible, but let, let your heart be the guide.
5: And then, <laughs> and then see if there's any other support
0: systems that you can access. Um, another home question. Um, when the rate so low, are there any times when it's beneficial to pay them
2: off sooner than the full terms? Um, I so my general thought on early repayment or even putting down a deposit unnecessarily, um, like the Akamakin, uh, I think is not really a good idea. How I look at it is if your interest rate for your mortgage is you know half a percent, and any amount you contribute to that in an early repayment is essentially saving you. Half a percent, so 0.5% is the return you're getting on your um, early repayment. And it's locked in there for the remainder of the loan. Okay, you can't get it out unless you sell the property. Uh, If you think about that in investment terms, would you put any cash into a fixed 30-year, 35-year term loan that's only gonna give you back half a percent? It doesn't sound attractive at all. That's why I actually think those 100% or 105% loans, the loans with closing costs, are a good deal. Try to get as much as you can at these this, this really, really low interest rates because they are very unique. They are only available because it's a personal home loan. If you try to do an investment loan, you can't get it. If you try to get a car loan, a credit card loan, anything else, you cannot get it. So it is the cheapest money you'll ever come across. It has life insurance included with it. Um, and yeah, so your money's better anywhere else. Like I said, the Japanese bank. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but don't put it in there. Like if you have enough money to pay off your loan, instead of paying off the home loan at 0.5%, why don't you put it into something that would generate at least 3 or 4%, for example, right? That, that just makes more financial sense. Yeah. And just as a follow-up, any recommendations for them picking between fixed and variable interest rates?
2: Um, so that one again i think is a bit personal preference uh the my understanding is the economists have kind of forecast look over the next you know 35 years the average on the loan will be you know be it a 10 year um 20 year or 35 year full term fixed forecast their net profit at the end of it should be the same so if they say look at the 10 year fixed fixed loan is going to be you know percent it means they're expecting that the average over the next 10 years, even on variable, will be about that much. Okay? Uh, so, by you deciding what uh, fixed trend, like whether to choose option A and option B, is kind of going against the judgment of the union. Um, you're trying to sort of outplay the bank's economists. What I feel is a better option is think. Do you want stability and a fixed loan payment um, now? Uh, now moving forward, so you have some certainty about what you're going to do. This is more relevant to people that are, you know, um, forty in their forties and fifties that want to understand moving forward for the next, you know, two decades, three decades, what their payments are going to be. Because often, once you reach your fifties, they say that's kind of the peak of your your earning capacity. Whereas, you know, if you're a younger family, for example, you know, uh, in your third, like early 30s, for example, you probably want a bit more cash flow now. So you want the the lower interest rates now, so you have a bit more cash because your kids are going to school, right? You may want to go on some some vacation, you know, other other expenses. And then in you know 20 years' time, when they're at, at, um, at school, or so when they're out of the house, right? The kids are out of the house. Hopefully you're earning more, you can so you can actually handle the additional interest repayments, um, and you have less, less fees. Oh, sorry, less, um, you're not paying for your kids anymore. They're already out of the house. So it's more of a, like, I feel, like a bit of a lifestyle choice. One thing I do want to say as well, though, that's important with Japanese loans, is the actual interest rate, the bank interest rate is, variable is about 2.45%. The 0.5%, 0.7% is a discounted rate. And often that's discounted. They say, well, we'll give you a, you know, this is our at the store rate, the tempo rate, but the um, discounted rate will be 1.9% discount. So you get it for 0.5%. However, if you choose a, an, um, a fixed rate, a 10 year fixed rate, at the end of that 10 year, you need to check, is it going, are you still gonna get the currently promoted 1.9% discount or just a 1% discount? Because a lot of banks is, okay, at the end of the 10-year fixed, they're going to give you, okay, 2.4% minus the standard 1% discount, not the 1.9% that they're currently promoting. Which is why, personally, I think the variable rates, right now, like with Japanese banks, is very special, super low, and you can only get that low rate at the loan outset. If you go from three-year fixed back to variable, Guess what? Well, it's going to be a 1.4%. Great. It's not going to be the 0.5%. So that's my take on it. And if, you, if you don't know what to do, what's quite common as well is 50% variable, 50% fixed for the life of the loan. then we kind of covered.
0: Uh, I have two questions. Um, one, one on the short-term state um, If if you buy a property rent out and you have a company manage it for you do you still have to be licensed yourself
4: there are two licenses involved to the the actual property is licensed um if you're getting a minpaku license and um it's their house that is licensed not necessarily the owner is Is listed on the license but it's their house that actually has the license but to get the Minpaku license you also have to have a contract with a licensed Minpaku Kandi and uh, typically a Minpaku Kandi even if they do nothing for you if they just have their their name on that on that um, on that document they will take a percentage of of all the revenue um, because you know, Japan likes to have those layers of uh, deniability. So someone has to be responsible. And so you know if a guest is unruly and someone complains, then the government wants someone to point the finger at and that's the country. And so the the country will, will take, you know, because it's a, a it's a risk. Um, if you're not managing the property well and you get, you know, the house burns down or the neighbours complain, the, the country isn't liable. So that's why they, they take a, a fee. Um, often the company will also be the, um, the management company as well. So the reason I have both types of licences is that I didn't want to pay somebody else. I wanted to I wanted to have the whole vertical, um, you know, I didn't want to pay 20% to someone when I was doing all the management anyway. Um, I, I rarely sponsor other people's licences unless I'm actually doing the management. But there are some people that, and that's all they do is they, they live off the income from 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 other people's
3: work. So, yeah, it's not my business model. This is, by the way, just to confirm for me, this is different if you're actually living in the property and renting out know, rooms in your house, right? Then you don't need to be licensed. license. I mean, the, well, the, property, no, needs, the, property, the yeah, property needs to be, yeah. You don't, don't need to be a no, totally no, I don't believe
4: so. Oh, you
2: don't know? No, I don't believe so. If you're if renting you're out just one room, you don't need a canary. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so this, this uh, I used to have a, a bunch of heavy properties, yeah, so if you're, you know, if you want to do room share, like say it's your house, you have a three-bedroom, and you want to rent out two of the rooms, you don't need. You can. You have to register the property, license the property, but you don't need a management company. You can you yourself be the manager because you live on premise. In the short. Sorry. In the short. Yeah, yeah, like like you know the Airbnb or yeah short term like under one month, under 28 day stays. However, um, the rules say like if you. You can go to work and come back, but if you go on long, like on holidays or business trips, and you're out of the house for like you know several days or a week or two weeks, then you need to have a management company in place because if some the the, the regulation is, if, what if the guests get stuck, you know, a, a a lost foreigner in Japan? Who's looking after this this tourist? Um, and if you're on, if you're on a business trip, then then there's no one looking after them.
0: Thank you. And and the other question is around um, kind of legal ownership. And so if myself and my wife, my wife is not working right now, so under the assessment of the home loan, it would just be on my income. But in terms of registered ownership on on the property, would that only be allowed to be under my name or could it be under both?
2: Or, or yeah. how, how could we work right? Um, yeah so you can actually put it under like when you register the property the title the script will say okay what's the percentage um and you can decide you know 50 50 you know like how they do in japan like two like you know um uh, so one half uh two fifths or three fifths you know someone gets three fifths someone gets two fifths that's how it's it's often recorded and you can do any kind of number you want um, yeah, so you are able to do that, even if it's all in your name. One thing to keep in mind, though, is when you do the, um, I, I believe there is kind of like a, a bit of a gift tax um, that they may consider. Is hold on, you you bought the house, you're paying for it, but half of it is given to your spouse, um, like straight off the bat, she got half ownership. Uh, so I don't know how that gets assessed. If she's, if you can say, look, she's paying part of the loan as well, then that's easier. But straight up, so I. Again, I don't know how that's, that is assessed. You need to speak to a, an accountant about that, but just something to keep in mind, um, like one of the questions. And the other thing is, I talked about the, um, the tax rebates. The tax rebate you get is for um, having a loan on a property. And if you only own half the property, they'll say, okay, you, own this, you have this much loan, but you only own half the property, so only half of this value is going to be uh, given for the tax rebate. Um, so you need to again speak with the local tax authority about what um, about how that is calculated. Generally, the situations I've had is both the um, husband and wife will get a joint loan. Again, they will combine their salaries, right, and get a joint loan. They're both included on the on the mortgage, and then they split 50 And that's kind of beneficial because usually the tax break caps out at about the loan at about forty or fifty million yen. A lot of my clients buy properties like around the one oku mark. So when you're at one oku, if you do fifty-fifty ownership, then the loan, the bank will say there, and you're both on the loan. When you get the loan together, the bank doesn't actually specify who has how much of the loan. It will say, you know, you and your wife have together the joint loan of uh, one hundred million yen. And then the tax office, when you want to do the tax rebate, will say, okay, well land ownership, uh, building own, property ownership is 50-50. So we're gonna assess the liability of the mortgage 50-50. So now we each have a 50 million yen loan. So you can both apply for that tax rebate and get like the 350,000 yen each. Okay, so you get double the tax rebate um, is, is part of the strategy. So again, something to, as we were saying before, I think with some of the uh, the question of the the lady, about the benefits that the government give you when you are, you know, the, the handouts or whatnot. Go with your heart. Think of what. Find the place that's right for you. Don't let the benefit really decide um, what, your decision. Because the benefit, I think, is quite not significant enough to make such a huge change in your decision. It's a nice bonus to have. But at the end of the day, you know, find the property you like best. Do what is. Don't forcibly put your wife or try to get a bank loan that the that your wife is on it unnecessarily just to try to get a tax rebate. Because at the end of the day, the, the rebates are not worth the inconvenience you have to suffer. Uh,
5: my question is more on property management problem. Uh, let's say, for example, we own a property. Then you have a tenant and also this tenant of yours, uh, create his own or her business by renting your property to other people. Have uh, you encountered this problem and how do you deal with it? Um,
3: so usually we find out that this happens um, because neighbors in Japan are very nosy and they're very used to things being smooth and quiet. So. As soon as somebody is running a business out of a property, whether it's a hair salon or a massage parlor or they're just airbnb it without permission, we will find out because the Kumiai, the owner union, will contact us and say that neighbors have complained about A, B, and C. Um, we, I mean, it depends on what you want to do as a landlord. Again, in Japan, it's not difficult to kick a tenant out. It usually just involves sending them a letter and saying that they need to move. So what we normally do is we give them maybe, obviously depending on the level of disturbance, if, if you know, if they're burning the neighbor's house down, then we're gonna kick them out. But otherwise, we would give them a warning, but usually just one, and then we would just politely ask them to leave. They don't really have a leg to stand on because they violated the terms of the tenancy lease if they've done that. So it's it's not a huge issue in Japan. Uh, this question
0: is for Ziv. Um, you showed us a few properties when you're going through the, uh, the sites. And anything um, worth investing in yield-wise seemed to have certain characteristics, like they're 20, year, 20 years old or more, um, um, and so on. And you also said that you know, such mansions will tend not to appreciate the value, and you cannot raise the rent as well. So what's the exit strategy, then, uh, when you get into a, an
5: investment like this?
3: Yeah. So first off, it's really important to understand that Japan is a huge market. It's the second market, second only to the USA, both size wise, uh, I mean, asset value wise and transaction volume wise. So it's a very, very, very liquid market. When properties are priced correctly, they sell. And the reason that we only found six properties when we were searching for individual units is because they sell very, very quickly um, as long as, you know, the price is reasonable. So. For our customers specifically, if the property is still attractive, we would try to sell it to another customer who's maybe looking for something similar. Um, but otherwise, we advertise it on the market, and if the, again, if the price is correct, it's usually spoken for within a month or two at most. If it's a building, maybe three, four months, but usually not beyond that. But this pricing it correctly thing is where it lies. So the properties don't, uh, the structures don't appreciate, but properties location-wise do appreciate so a particular location for example in central tokyo central fukuoka that was generating five or six percent return will still be attractive Ten years later even if it's generating only three or four percent return because that area has gone up in value and investors are not Expecting to make five or six percent anymore, right? So you could potentially sell at a profit other locations um, you know building fees have gone up rent hasn't gone up or maybe you are getting higher rent because a tenant moved in in 1995, then they moved out, now the rent is half that amount. You're not going to be able to sell that property at the same price that you bought it anymore because investment properties are evaluated based on the yield that they generate. So it's not so much common market dynamics in that particular area, it's more a case of investors, like, like we as investors, they look at the bottom line, they see that it's generating 4 or 5% and they decide if that's attractive in that area and if there's anything better that they could put their money into or not. But if it's pressed properly, usually all we need to do is contact um, one of our aging partners who will disappear within a month or two.
0: I, uh, sorry, guys. My question is about uh, some of the risks associated, in particular uh, earthquake and earthquake insurance.
2: Um, I've heard stories that it's pretty hard to get anything out of the insurance unless the damage is really obvious. <coughs> sorry, it's really obvious. The situations where you've got multiple properties, or you're owning a, a small apartment building that becomes uninhabitable, and you have obviously an outstanding loan on that property, um, what's your experience with the insurance on those
3: situations? So we're a little bit spoiled in that regard, just because of the amount of properties that we deal with, that we've been channeling into channeling the same insurance company for over 11 years. So we get very good terms. So everything that I'm about to say now is maybe. Different in somebody else's experience, Um, we haven't had any issues with insurance claims. There's been a slight revamp in insurance regulations earlier last, uh, sorry, late last year, I think, from October. So terms are a bit more strict now. They require a bit more proof about the damages, and they've reduced the amount that they'll compensate you for. But there's still, we've never had an insurance claim refused um, yet. Having said that, that again, that could be because we're good business for them, and they're just, you know, they're happy to keep us. For example, um, earthquake damages or weather damages or accidental damages are actually not the major um, source of insurance compensation that we are asking for. We're usually claiming because a tenant has died in the property. Right. So, Japan has a very, generally speaking, aging population, and I can safely say that about five percent of our tenants actually die in the property it just happens so we submit an application the insurance company reviews the renovation estimate um, all we need is the police report saying that a body was found in the property and then we just we're covered I mean we, we haven't had to argue with an insurance company in Japan uh, to date. that's over 11 years about 200 and something properties that we facilitated but it could be that other people have different experience and then uh, maybe on the home on the home so um I can't
2: speak to, to that point point. I haven't you know experienced of really any, any claims that like after we sell the property we don't go to that, that level and we haven't had an earthquake really like damage I don't have any experience with that to give a proper answer. However, I do know that, you know, in terms of the level of damage that happens to a property, like when in an earthquake policy, they say, okay, based on the um, city, like the ward's assessment of your damage, is it a tier one, tier two, or tier three damage level? That is what the insurance will pay out on. So not based on, you know, to say, oh, there's lots of damage and the insurance is not paying out. No, the insurance will pay out depending on the tier of um, damage that is assessed by the ward. It's not just up to you to decide. And that's my understanding of the policy. I haven't actually seen it in play. And I actually suspect if the city hall has said, this is a tier two damage, then the insurance will pay out according to the tier two, because you know, in Japan, everything is follows the process, okay? Um, so if you had a documentation for that, that is what will pay out accordingly. But it's pretty reliable. <laughs> um, yeah, whether or not it's reliable, I don't know, because it hasn't happened, but I do know that's the, the process for them in terms of how much they pay out for a uh, uh, earthquake damage. And one thing to keep in mind, when, you know, we get the homeowner, I think I mentioned it, that's it's costing, it's like anywhere from 60 to 100,000 yen per year for a house. If the house is, uh, that earthquake coverage covers 50% of what the regular um, damage does, because, so, for example, if the house is... Of the official, you know, Sorry?
3: Of the official valuation, which could be different.
2: Oh, uh, no, of the uh, policy. So when you when you get the policy, if you say that this house is worth um, 20 million yen, that the regular so if there's a fire, you can get paid out 20 million yen for the rebuild of the property. If there's an earthquake, the earthquake only covers 50% of that. So the earthquake in the policy will say the earthquake rule item is um, 10 million yen, not 20. So if there's a total, total greater like destruction, like a tier three uh, assessment award, no longer livable, needs to be torn down, then the earthquake policy will only cover 10 million yen of that
5: if it's not complete damage and you have a good policy good insurance policy there are actually specialists that will come uh, and they they work for you not for the insurance company and then they will submit the claim on your behalf to your insurance company they specialize in that so they will come to your house and they will basically inspect all your tears and damages and then because they work for you, not for the insurance company. They, I would say, slightly exaggerate the damage and then they get you uh, some claim because uh, the general uh, issue in Japan is that people actually do not really claim that much damage because it's too much hassle or they don't know how. they. They don't know how, they don't want to deal with it. So those damages are usually kind of forgotten so you can, if you have a property and you think that the damage is there and you don't know how to go about it, go around it, you can actually hire a specialist that will come and they will do it for you uh, after they read your insurance policy. So it's everything is doable if you know how and if you are actually willing to go for it.
3: Um, on the insurance front as well, there's sometimes, um, for example, so like Emil was saying, earthquake it covers you up to 50% of the uh, value of the property in case of a total loss. Um, but for example, third-party damages are covered 100% always. So if you had, you know, your boiler exploded, you leaked water into three properties under you, and it also caused damage to your property, insurance will cover 100% of what was done to the properties below you and 0% to you because it's just normal wear and tear and it's not even covered. Renovation companies, property managers are very adept at getting an estimate that puts more of the damage on the third party. For example, it's kind of like creative accounting. They just know what to do to make sure that you get better compensation. So it, it's it's good to ask their opinion about. We yeah.
1: still so have a question from Daniel. I'm curious if anybody on the team has experience with property development, as in. Uh, buying an empty plot of land or scraping in an existing house and then building a new structure and then selling that new structure uh, immediately. And then kind of what's the profit margins for that sort of uh a... I didn't buy a house. We didn't
5: invest. We did investment. Yeah, we did did investment property for um, ourselves because that's kind of part of the business that we do. And uh, we used our own land, because we, we built a house with uh, basically five plots, or like five properties could build on it, and then used uh, what I used to use as a tomato farm to build a house on it. And, um, but we were, we were kind of, uh, we had two options, and we went, we ended up going with rental instead of selling, but we had it, at first we had it assessed, uh, and then whichever one came first, uh, either offered to buy or offer to rent, and then we end up going with the rent. So uh, we did. We didn't calculate the price of the, or we didn't count the price for the land because it was our land. And then we did the build. We we built with polas, so just kind of a basic house, uh, two floors, two floors plus a loft, and we would have uh, we would sell it. If we if we were selling it we could have sell it for um, more than a, more than a double so it was a, we would have made about 150 percent of what the construction actually cost us. so basically we spent well okay we spent 15 million or so on uh, building the place and then we could have sell, sell it for about 38. Forty. So it depends if you have your own land, you, it's profitable. But then if you sell it kind of quickly, um, you have to pay more. If you sell, if you sell it, at, I think below three or five years after you built it, uh, your taxes yeah your taxes are higher. So um, you know while uh, as when you're renting it and then you sell it later on down the line or you don't sell it at all, it's different. So we did not sell right now. But we built it, and because we own the land, the land is fairly small, as I'm saying, was my tomato farm. Uh, it, it kind of got the value up very much. And we, you can make a good profit out of that, especially if you find a good land. You
2: want um, I, I did want to add, the yeah, I think about the taxation. So one reason individuals don't flip in Japan, like you know, in Australia and in the US, definitely everyone does the flips. Um, we don't buy and resell it because the capital gains tax, if you hold under five years, it's about 40%, that's it? Roughly. Yeah,
3: from 40% to 20% after five years. Yeah, so you,
2: like, if you build something and then sell it, you make 10 million yen, 20 million yen, 40% goes to tax, right away. quite rare. Um, so, and you're probably not going to hold it for five years, you know, that, that's not the really flip. that is a long-term hold. So in Australia, long-term capital gain is up to 12 months. In Japan, it's five years, so it's not really a um, you know even with, with mansions around Tokyo, individuals don't get an old place and renovate it and fix it up just to flip. Um, renovation companies, reform companies yeah. that yeah will buy it themselves, like they're they're in the flipping game. When it's a renovation company that does it, like that's their business. The tax office treats the any capital gain, the profit they make, as just typical revenue, not capital gain. So they are just taxed as regular business income. If they've made 20 million yen on the flip, that's just 20 million yen of revenue and whatever expenses you have, that's ordinary taxation and business revenue. Whereas as an individual, if we do that, it's a capital gain, 40%, which is quite high.
5: If I may go back, uh, when we do it as a company, uh, we usually look for uh, kind of rundown properties that nobody really wants and that are like total damage and then we buy them really, really cheap, and then uh, use our company employees, our artisans, to fix it. We record it for marketing purposes. Then we use that as a case study for our promotions, where we actually show what we can do with that kind of property. And then uh, we either rent it or flip it, but that's a business side, not a private part. So depending on how you do it. Yeah,
3: just to sum it up. So what? Blanca was explaining as her potential, she didn't sell, but she, got, she said she could get 150%. That's roughly what I've been hearing from developer friends um, and colleagues in Japan, is you roughly can expect something like 20% profit, but it depends on how long it took you to build and sell, whether it's gonna be profitable or not. So if it's 20% over five years, it's maybe less attractive than if you could get it in two years, it'd be done with it. Yeah.
1: the Anything from the stream? I just don't want to abandon the streamers if they have to. Yeah, we should wrap up. Yeah, one yeah, well, if, if I get one last question from the stream, uh, Doreen Block asks uh, Best Bank to serve foreigners, english speaking, to, for uh, giving loans, he has heard of SMBC, Shinse,
2: any others? Um, yeah, so, Well, SNBC I think, is referring to Prestia. Um, Yeah, so Prestia and Shinsei are the ones that will do documentation in English. So they are the best ones to serve if you need English, but, and the deals are fine, the interest rates are fine, but one of the issues is they take a long time to get the approval, and when you are sort of, find a property that you really like, and you're keen to sort of jump on it, then you need that pre-approval. A Japanese bank, we can get it in 48 hours, with SMBC, uh, sorry, with Shinsei or it's two weeks, and it's there's a lot of anxiety, and you may lose that property um, because a, another client has come back with a pre-approval, is able to, <laughs> to jump straight through. Yeah, we have someone who's uh, you know laughing in the crowd because they've experienced that themselves. Thank you. All right, I think we're done. Yeah. <sighs> is this fun? Is this fun? <laughs> Um, so yeah, just look, thank you to all the people, thank you for everyone for coming along. I'm surprised how many people actually stayed the whole time. Yeah, I was expecting to have nobody here. Yeah, and, and um, how many people are on the, the Zoom now? I think it was, uh, 10, 12? Oh, okay, yeah. The, yeah, well, wow, fa- fantastic. before. Yeah. yeah, so thank you everyone for, for coming in, bearing with us this entire time. Um, I do hope that you found it useful. We do try to share as much information um, as 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 we can. One, well, it, it's our business. But two, as you can tell, we're also quite passionate about helping people. That's what we try to do. Um, maybe we'll do this like twice a year. Um, I don't know how updated the content will be, it's kind of a similar thing. So I don't expect I'll see all the same faces, but I do hope lots of people like reach out if you want to buy a place, renovate, invest, short-term stay or go live out the bush. Um, You have someone to to reach out to. Um, Yeah, so yeah, but thank you once again uh, to to everyone up here and to uh, everyone in the audience, um, both in person and in Zoom. Thank you. You and guys have been fantastic. Oh yeah. <laughs>